We are going to continue our study in, uh, in Matthew as we look at the kingdom, as we look at uh, the, the gospel of the kingdom. And in your bulletin is, is the, a couple verses that, that speak to the good news of the kingdom that Jesus went around and, and was preaching, not just the gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, as we've been looking at this, this idea of the kingdom, uh, I, I want us to... Uh, and just know that Matthew 13 is a chapter that is all about the kingdom of God, the rule in the reign of Jesus to take broken things or things that are in rebellion against him and make them right again, bring them and restore them and make them new again. And so uh, in Matthew 13, uh, as, as we looked at last week and the hidden treasure and even this week, uh, I, I are you one that's sitting here and you are uh, feeling like, you know what, I don't know if God's at work at all. You might be really discouraged, you might be really questioning, you might be doubting. Is God working? And if you're a parent in this room or a grandparent in this room, you probably have had those times when you're looking at your kids and you're like, is God doing anything in them? Are you sitting here right now and you are discouraged, maybe doubting, you need to hear these few verses. Because these verses drip with the hope of the gospel, the power of God for salvation, and the joy that flows out of God's people when we get out of our own perspective and we grab onto his. That he's at work. And how do we wrestle with that in the midst of of so many things that might discourage us. And so we're going to look at Matthew 13. We're going to start in verse 31. And just as a way of us expressing our submission to God's word. Would you stand with me as uh, we hear Jesus speaking over us uh, uh, th these parables? Verse 31. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. That a man took and sowed in his field, it is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than uh, all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, until it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Let's pray. Uh, God, we come before you and we want to hear from you. We want to hear your word. We want you to speak and so, Father, would you uh, just give us the grace uh, to recognize that oftentimes our perspective is not your perspective. And, Father, the things we worry about and the things that we are burdened by uh, and wonder if anything is happening, God, we miss the fact that you are at work. And so, Father, free us from that. Would you send us out with hope, with joy, with expectancy? Uh, Father, we don't know when we will see the effect of your, of your work and your power, but Father, we will. 
And uh, Father, I pray that you would just give us faith and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Aesop's Fables. I figured I would read you a story before you go to sleep. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, a hare was making, uh, making fun of the tortoise one day for being so slow. Do you ever get anywhere? He asked in a mocking laugh. Yes, replied the tortoise, and I get there sooner than you think. I'll run you a race and prove it. And the hare was much amused at the idea of running a race with the tortoise, but for the fun of the thing, he agreed. And so the fox, who had consented to act as a judge, marked the distance and started uh, the runners off. The hare was soon far out of sight, and to make the tortoise feel very deeply how ridiculous it was for him to try to race with a hare, he laid down, or he lay down beside the course to take a nap until the tortoise should catch up. And the tortoise, meanwhile, kept going slowly but steadily. And after a time, passed the place where the hare was sleeping, but the hare slept on very peacefully. And when at last he did wake up, the tortoise was near the goal, and the hare ran uh, now with his swiftest, but he could not overtake the tortoise in time. And then at the very bottom of the story, the lesson, the race is not always to the swift. A very familiar story. One in which I think every parent tries to instill in their children uh, that not always the fast things are the ones that bring about the most important effect. What's the point of the fable, or parable, if you will, is that we love the fast moving. It's fun to watch. It's kind of awe-inspiring, especially when you're not that fast. Uh, it's what we wished we were, faster or better. Uh, and on the other hand... We get frustrated with the slow and the methodical. We ask questions like this, shouldn't we be making more progress by now? Are we doing something wrong because we're not getting as far as we thought we would by this point? And yet the pace that we scorn, which is the gradual pace, is the pace of life that, is the, that has the most profound effects in the long run. Now, Aesop was not the only one that would say that. Jesus would say that as well in Matthew 13. He's kind of speaking to the things, and he's pushing on our perspective of the things that we love. What do we love? And let, think of the investing world. We love a startup company and the IPO, which is, you know, an initial public offering of stock. And the company starts selling its stock for $8 or $12, and then it soars to $450 in the span of two years. And, you know, we make our fortune. You know, we say, oh, if I only bought that stock two years ago. You know, where would I be financially now? Oh, if I only bought Amazon back in 2008 when it was a mere $42. It's now nearly $2,100 value in stock. You know, um, just to save you from doing the math, that's an annual compounding rate of 40%. I'll take that in my 401k. Uh, we love that stuff, don't we? We love explosive growth. We love fast growth. We, and we even beat ourselves up 
for missing those opportunities? Why couldn't that have been my experience? And we kind of almost downplay the slow, the methodical, the gradual, the one, st- one foot in front of another growth. But yet we all know that's exactly how you grow a portfolio. For every Amazon, there's a hundred others that you didn't make a dollar on and lost everything you invested. Yet Jesus speaks right to that. He says that the kingdom of God grows in ways that we scorn, that we push aside, that we say are insignificant. Things that grow as slowly as the kingdom, we tend to wonder what's wrong with the idea or what's wrong with the methodology. Because surely, if it was good and it had value, it would be growing much faster than this. And Jesus submits, it's really neither of those perspectives, that it's the wrong idea or the wrong methodology. What's wrong is our perspective and our expectations. We put our expectations and our perspective on God. And when he does not deliver the way that we think, and especially in the pace that we think he should, we start to doubt. We start to question. We wonder, is God doing anything? We want God to operate on our timing, and especially since God is all-powerful. Wouldn't it make sense that he could just simply snap his fingers and make something happen? The answer is yes. Most definitely he could, and sometimes he does. But more often than not, he works in the gradual. And he works through the gifts and the efforts of his people. That the eternal, almighty, all-powerful God would allow us to be central to accomplishing his will and his kingdom effect. Even that he would constrain his power. And, and the, you know, the snap the fingers, create the world, utter one, one word, and out the world shows up out of nothing. Constrain his power in such a way that he would use us to bring things about gradually. And I think Jesus is saying we need to look at the growth of the kingdom and not be discouraged, not be frustrated, not wonder what is God doing, but be overwhelmed with hope, joy, and expectation because we have a God who is at work even when we don't, it doesn't line up with the way that we think it should. So we're going to look at the growth of the kingdom. We're going to look at how this idea of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom and the kingdom of Jesus grows. That, that G, the, the rule and the reign of Jesus, Jesus making all things new, Jesus bringing what is wrong, what is broken to a place of newfound restoration that Jesus explains that process in terms of two different pictures one is a small seed which is a mustard seed and the other is leaven okay leaven in case you're not a baker uh I'm not um and so I actually looked this up to make sure I had this right so um you know is that substance that's used to make something rise the most common is yeast Okay, there's other ways to do that. The most common thing we put yeast in in bread or dough rises. Uh, and a very, very small amount of yeast, uh, a quarter of an ounce, uh, will help uh, four cups of flour rise. So something very, very, very small has an inordinate effect. A mustard seed, if you, you couldn't see the seeds from where you were sitting when I showed it to the kids, you know, uh, it tiny 
tiny, it grows to a large bush, sometimes 10 to 12 feet tall. The growth of the kingdom is slow but steady. Seeds don't grow quickly. You know, you put them in the ground, you wonder if anything's happening. You know, for a mustard seed, it takes 5 to 10 days for it to germinate. That's not terrible. But 5 to 10 days, you put it in the ground. Is anything happening? You know, these seeds, are, are, they come up. And then when they come up, it's only, you know, this really, really tiny sprig that, that you can see, you know, a touch of color that's coming out of the ground. And that's how the kingdom grows. It's typically not explosive, expansive, and, and, but it is expansive, but it's usually gradual. It is slow but steady, just like a seed would grow in the ground and then come up and then expand to a large bush. But also the kingdom of God starts small but grows larger than expected. So both seeds and leaven uh, speak to this idea of small things. So tiny, tiny little seed, very, very little bit of yeast, okay, affects the whole batch of dough or that seed becomes a huge bush. We expect proportional growth. That's how we tend to think. You know, uh, I put my effort in, so uh, at work or at school, my effort produces a proportional grade or a proportional effect of work that I put in. That's, that's kind of how we tend to operate. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, take a seed that, let's just use one millimeter large, and it's going to go to a tree that's 10 to 12 feet tall, take 12 feet, that's going to be 5,000 times larger than the thing that you put in the ground to what is affected. That's how the kingdom is going to grow. It's going to grow from small, tiny, insignificant things, and it's going to be expansive even to the point of changing the world. It starts small, but it grows larger than expected, but it's also unseen but transformative. A seed gets buried and it explodes into new life. Leaven gets worked into a batch of dough, or in this case, just flour, and, and these things just simply disappear. But think of the effect of yeast on flour or dough. What's the effect? It's inside. And when it gets worked in, meaning that it is now mixed among what, uh, all, the, all the things that you're trying to bring the leaven to, it touches all of it, and it has effect on everything that it touches. That's the kingdom. That's the gospel of the kingdom, is that it works from the inside. It, in anything that it touches, it has an effect on. Leaven usually is uh, described in the scriptures to describe the effect of sin. Jesus talks about the Pharisees and the, the effect of sin, and he, he talks about leaven um, as it affects them. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. This is a positive picture, which is actually not very common in the scriptures, but let's use the negative picture to understand the positive. So when we were pr uh, getting together for prayer this morning to pray for this service, that God would use it, uh, just thinking of the idea uh, and that this idea came out in um, think of the idea, the negative version of bitterness, okay? It's a lot easier to understand 
the expansive uh, growth of leaven in the negative, because we can relate to that. So you start with bitterness. You're bitter over something small. You're bitter over uh, a friend that hurt you in a certain way, and it, and it starts small, bitterness. But what does bitterness tend to do? If it is, if it is not dealt with before, uh, before the cross, bitterness grows, doesn't it? And you're bitter about one thing, and then all of a sudden you're bitter about everything, and then you're bitter with your wife, and you're bitter with your kids, and you're bitter with everything in this world, and it starts to just, just permeate your entire self. That's how sin grows, doesn't it? We can relate to that. It starts really small, and then all of a sudden we are transformed by it. That is a negative version of what Jesus is talking about. But he is saying the same process of growth or of expansion is what the kingdom of God is like. And the kingdom of God is like that of leaven. Just how bitterness in a negative way would grow and permeate and multiply on itself, the kingdom of God does the same. The gospel, when it takes root in your heart and mind, it has the same effect. It begins to permeate. It begins to change all that it touches. It changes the way we see life, the things that we chase after in life. It changes the way we treat each other. It changes the way we deal with being hurt and needing forgiveness and needing to ask for forgiveness and to reconcile. The gospel oftentimes is unseen, much like yeast, but it is transformative. So Jesus is saying that it's slow and steady. It starts with something small and then grows to an inordinate size. It is something that when you are touched by the gospel and, and seeing that, it is affecting all that we do. The kingdom grows and the gospel grows. And he's saying this, why? Because his disciples are just like us. You know what? I can't see it, therefore it's not real. I don't see the effects, I'll give it a few months. If I don't see the effects in a few months, you know, I'm off onto another thing because that must not be working. And God is saying, you need my perspective. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and saying, your doubt and your discouragement and what you think about what I'm doing, you have no idea. Trust me. Trust me that the gospel is at work. And so how do we respond to those things? How do we respond? We're going to take the first two together, so uh, I don't know what the screen will look like, but how do we respond to slow progress and unseen progress? How do we respond to that in our heart? You know, I, I, I think, you know, all of these different perspectives of, especially, I'm, I'm just thinking uh, it's very easy for parents, grandparents, to be really discouraged with the progress of the gospel in, in our kids' hearts. It's really easy, especially if you have um, a child or a, a son or a daughter that really is, is not grasping the things of God and walking away and maybe even distancing himself or herself from the Lord. That's really discouraging, isn't it? And, and at times it feels like there is just unseen, zero progress or slow progress in what... what God is doing and how he's doing it and what he is going to do with a friend we've been talking to for years about the gospel that doesn't come and doesn't come to surrender to Jesus we end up in doubt we end up in frustration we just you know what I'm going to give up 
I'm not even to try anymore. And I think it doesn't just apply to parenting. It probably applies to anything in our life. Slow progress, unseen progress, the idea of small beginnings. How do we respond to that? You know, that we despise small things. And I submit to you, we don't have time today, but look at Zechariah 4. Yes, that's one of the minor prophets. Um, and uh, Zechariah 4 is talking about, and, and God's speaking to his people through the prophet. He's saying, don't despise the day of small things. So what's a small thing? Is a small invite of somebody. Maybe it's one of our high school students inviting their friend at Dutch Fork High School. This is not a mere example. This actually occurred. And she invites her friend to come uh, to church, to youth group. And through that, her parents start to come a, a little while later. And, and a little while later, God breaks into both mom and dad, and their hearts are radically transformed by the gospel when they submit to Jesus. And I'm talking radical. And they come, and they, they know the things of God, but where did it all begin with one of our high school students taking a very small faithful step of inviting a friend of inviting somebody that seems really insignificant students you're like i'm only a freshman in high school what good am i for the kingdom i can give you a family that their family tree is completely altered by the grace of god because of one of our students inviting a friend to youth group. We never know when the, 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 that kingdom effect is really going to hit. You know, think back to when you, know, you, you were in elementary school. If you, were, uh, if you knew the Lord or God was working in your life, maybe middle school, high school, you don't remember a bunch of what was taught. But you do remember a couple things. You've got those moments of memory where God broke in, that God broke into your life, and, and it might have been a phrase or a word or a passage that you read. And let me submit to you, if you're a worker uh, that you teach or that you're speaking to people about the gospel, you never know when that conversation is going to be the one. And so what does God call us to? Is faithfulness. Is God is calling me to preach and so I stand up and I preach. And let me tell you, I don't feel it every week. <laughs> but your salvation and your hope is not based on how much I feel it. It is based on God doing amazing things through small steps that his people are willing to take. That's how the kingdom grows. I came to Christ. We were talking about our testimony at a small, small group this past weekend. I came to Christ. You talk about obscure insignificant. There was a guy in Australia. <laughs> yep. There was a guy in Australia that um, pr during the, the 70s would walk around. I think I shared this part of it, but not the, my testimony. Would walk around uh, in, in cities in Australia. That's where he lived. He'd walk up to people, and he said, If you were to die tonight, do you know that you would spend eternity in heaven with God? And then he said, toodaloo, and he'd walk away. That was that dude's evangelistic message. 
But then Josh McDowell is speaking at a, at a conference in 1985, and he shares that story of the harvest field of people that came to know Jesus because they were tortured by the question that this toodaloo guy asked them on the streets of Australia. And I'm sitting there as a 10-year-old, and I'm like, huh, I can't answer that question. I don't know that I'd be certain. And that was the day that I came to know Christ. You talk about random. Some dude in Australia who may have been with the Lord at that time was instrumental in me being convicted before God, knowing that I needed to submit my life to Jesus, that he needed to die for my sin so that I might have relationship with God. So let's not despise the small things. And let me just ask you this. Can you answer that question? If you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you would spend eternity with God in his presence in heaven? Do you know that? And if you cannot answer that in the affirmative, would you please come and see me after the service? Actually, you can come see me right now if you want, but that would be really cool. Um, uh, would you come see me? Because I would love to introduce you to the living God. That today would be one of those small faithful moments where we step out and God does radical kingdom work. Parents, it's so easy to become discouraged, but don't despise the day of small things. What is God calling you to? Do you hear how this is just dripping with hope? Do you hear how it's just dripping with joy that, that Jesus is saying, yeah, you can't see it. Yeah, you're despising my work. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm doing things in a gradual way that you, drives you nuts. Um, yes, I'm doing all of these things. Check your perspective at the door and trust me. We think about, uh, we think about those, those uh, evangelistic um, things that we do at the park or in neighborhoods. And remember the first one we ever did? We made the decision three years ago to go to the property. <laughs> and we might get there next month or April or next year. Who knows? Um, we made that decision. We said, you know what? Let's, con let's begin to make inroads into those neighborhoods. And our first outreach event was at Rolling Creek, the reserve or courtyard or whatever's right across the street from the property. And we, we did, we handed out mailer, or we actually walked and invited people to a block party at their pool. Okay? Uh, there are people that have come and actually come to know Jesus within the last year and a half, transformed by the gospel because of an invite. It even gets better in how that invite played out. But we say, okay, that was pretty quick and immediate. But then even more interesting is somebody visited our church for the first time a couple months ago because of that invite that we gave her three years ago. Somebody came to the, the VBS or the night um, gathering at Ashford two summers ago, and they visited for the first time two weeks ago. When and how is God at work? Mind-blowing. But he is isn't he? And he uses 
the small things. He uses decades of walking with people and, and, and praying for them to come to know Jesus, to, to understand the things of the gospel. And it's like, you know, this isn't working. This isn't happening. I'm beating my head against the wall here, God. And the God draws them to know him. And God does amazing work in them. Nine years of walking, and then you get to see the last year of someone coming to Christ. And then that sounds great, and let's take it to last week. Last week I stood before you, and I'm not sure if you noticed, but that whole service was a train wreck. You know, it was just one of those weeks where everything that could, Pete left and everything went downhill. Um, And uh, welcome back. And, And so I stood before you to preach, and I've never been more distracted, ever, preaching. I didn't know if I made sense. I thought it, you know, like, I'm like, this is terrible. And I sat down, I went home, Linda was, it was with my mom, I'm like, She's like, how'd it go? I said, that was horrible. And then I get lunch with somebody on Tuesday. And out of the blue, he brings up, man, that sermon. And I put my head down, no lie. (laughs) Out of shame and embarrassment. He's like, no, God used that. We didn't stop talking about that sermon. We didn't stop talking about that passage. God is radically using that in our life. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, could you repeat that? Uh, I'm like, I'm serious. That was lousy. It was terrible. And, and it's interesting. The, things I, the thing I thought was truly a waste of your time is the thing that God radically used. And we, it, between me and Linda, we had three people respond unsolicited about that particular sermon. God is at work in unseen, powerful, transformative ways that we can't even fathom. What is God calling us to do is to be gripped with the hope of the gospel and then take the faithful step that he's putting in front of us, trusting him with results, praying expectantly that God would work. And then we leave not burdened, doubting, wondering, We leave running, leaping for joy. We go out with hope and expectation. My God, who is all-powerful, is at work. I don't know how. (laughs) I actually can't tell you how all those dots connect. But I can tell you after enough examples that he is. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The smallest of seeds When it is planted, it grows into the largest of all the garden plants, even to become a tree where the birds come and rest. And that's this analogy of the work of God, not just in little bitty Israel, but Ezekiel 17 of all of the nations coming and resting and knowing God in a tree. And so in the kingdom of God is also like leaven being worked into a batch of flour, a batch of dough. Everything that it touches, it transforms. We don't understand how and why, but we know it's at work. Would we leave this place lit up over what God is doing, even when we can't see it? Let's pray.
uh, Father, take all of this, take these examples, take, I'm sure, the flood of examples that have come into people's minds. Uh, God, take them, encourage us with them, Father, that that you're at work and it's not proportional to the effort we put in. Quite honestly, even when we make a lousy effort, uh, you use our lousiness uh, and our weakness and our brokenness for your purposes so that you might be glorified, so that you might be the one that we boast in. So God, thank you for that. Thank you for the joy of that, the, the pressure release of that. That, Father, when we do step out in faith, it's not how well we do it. It is the fact that the all-powerful, almighty living God is at work. God, that you bring new life. And so, Father, draw us to the sense of new life in Christ, maybe again or for the first time. Father, I pray that even today, the day of salvation would be for people in this room that they would know for certain that they can answer the question that I know I will spend eternity in the presence of God. Father, draw people and thank you for the encouragement of the gospel. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.